Explore Ill-Gotten Booty and Treasure Trap on Amigos, episode 326. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Amigos. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today, Aaron, we're going to be talking about Treasure Trap. Oh, Aaron, you ever found any good booty? Oh, man. Not nearly enough, Boat. I can tell you that. How about you? You know, every once in a while. Um, tell me about a treasure you found in your life. Hmm. I have to really think about that for a minute. You know, everyone will find like a $5 bill in, mm-hmm. their, in their in pants, something like that. I know Teresa's found stuff stashed in books, like tons of stuff mm. uh, in, in old books that she picks up at the, at the auctions and stuff. Yeah. That could be a, a, a treasure trove of goodies. Um, I've never found anything like uh, Flack mentioned where they found that hidden room with all that crap. Now, mm-hmm. that's awesome. That is, I never yeah. came close to finding anything that cool. I don't think I've really ever found anything that I was surprised to see. What about you? you know, when I was a kid, I had the old metal detector. Remember oh. when that was a thing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was convinced that there was treasure out there just waiting to be found. So wherever there was a field, I was out there with the metal detector. Yeah. And I can tell you this, there's a lot of rusty nails in fields. <laughs> I've heard that. <laughs> if, if that's your definition <laughs> of treasure. Uh, yeah. I, I would dig up holes in my yard where the people that built our house would just use fill dirt that was just full of garbage, you know, just like rusty metal, old yeah. matchbox cars. Um, so I guess that... that that doesn't really count as treasure. No. I do I do have one interesting story, though. A man with a metal detector walking outside the old St. Albans High School found my mom's class ring that she lost when she was a high school student. Really? And yeah. it's been sitting out there for all those years? Yeah. So, th- I mean, it had been, this was in the 80s. This was in the early 80s. And so she graduated from high school in like 73 or something like that. Yeah. So it had been out there for 10 years, 15 years at that point. Um, and uh, it you know, had her name on it. So that's that's pretty incredible. Unfortunately, at the time we were living in the old stabby in the face St. Albans and our house was broken into and the ring was uh, subsequently stolen again. And so really? it has not yet been been recovered. Now, you know, just for a moment, class rings, right? Yeah. Are those still a big deal? Since I teach middle school, I'm not as, uh, you know, in there with it. But I've got to admit, I don't know that I've ever seen anybody our age walking around wearing a class ring. But I definitely see people of the older generations that that sport them from time to time, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I I actually know some people that still wear them. I always laugh. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Because, you know, everyone at my school had to have a class ring. You got to get one. Mm. And I was sort of lukewarm to the such, but my parents were like, come on, we'll get you a class ring. And they got me like uh, the cheap guy class ring. Like they got a cut rate one, Mm. but it looked way cooler than all the other ones. So Mm -hmm. I actually came out ahead. But I mean, you still have it? Are you wearing it right now? Mm. Are you kidding me, Boat? Mm. I don't like a bunch of rings and crap on my hands. That impairs my magical prowess when I do stuff, but I, you know, I, it may be stashed somewhere. Who knows? But I mean, what do you do with those things? It just seems sort of like a money pit. You know, well, what I'm saying? I know that my oh yeah, everything about graduation, Jostens, that company, they yeah. are a multi-billion zillion dollar business because they prey upon high school seniors every year. They say you don't really get the experience unless you buy this, 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 and this. And did so, you, did, did you keep your cap and mortarboard and and? Uh, uh, all that crap. I did. All your I yearbooks did. I've still, I, I've still got my cap and my mortarboard. I've still got my tassel. You know, you hunt. What you do with the tassel is you hang that bad boy on the rearview mirror. Oh yeah. That's you what know, you I do with to, that. I Class used my 99. graduation robe as a bathrobe for decades. Really? Yeah. In fact, up on Mud Mountain, people would. I mean, this is a shoot. I would. People would all see me up at the porch, <laughs> kicked back with a stogie in the old graduation gown, purple, by the way. Uh, I think the year the one I've got was a deep, a real deep purple. That's weird. Why did they? Why did they choose purple Dude, that year? I, it was the eighties. No one knows yeah. what's going on. I don't. That's know. true. That's true. Um, now, do you? Uh, since we're on the subject, um, did you, do you, if you were to if you were to don the graduation robe one more time, would you know where to find it? 
You know, I think it deteriorated to the point where I had to get rid of it. <laughs> I can't str- Listen, you talk about a hidden treasure. If you were driving up Interstate 64 at the right time in the right year, you could have seen me in my graduation robe with a big stogie in my backyard chopping down weeds with a sword. So that's a hidden treasure that someone, someone's carrying that weight right now, my friend. That's true. One day we'll have to go back up to Mud Mountain and see if any hidden treasures still exist there. Oh, yeah. Lots of mud up there. It's some beers that fell over the hill, and that's about all I know of. <laughs> All right, Aaron, let's leave this captivating subject and move on to this week's Amiga News. Amiga News. All right, Aaron, we're going to kick things off with a new video from Chris Edwards Restoration. And I will say, Aaron, that I watched this video and uh, because I was very interested in what he what he is, what he's got here. Okay, so this is one of, you know, Chris, every once in a while, he does these road trip videos where he basically just, you know, he turns on his camera when he gets up in the morning and he tapes himself getting ready, getting in the car, driving, fueling up and going to a destination. So if you want to hear Chris's uh, thoughts on various and sundry matters, watch the first 12 minutes or so of this uh, of this video. (laughs) But then. If you go, to, if you scrub ahead until about 12, 20, or 12 minutes and 44 seconds, you can see that he's picked up a really awesome LED Amiga sign. This thing looks great, Aaron. You know, neon signs are something that I, I've wanted for a long time. As you recall, we used to have uh, a fake neon sign hanging up behind us uh, that I had somebody online design for us. That was awesome. Um, but this is the real deal. This is LED, of course, which makes it much more reasonably priced than the, your uh, your neon your multicolored neon sign. Uh, this thing looks great, and I asked Chris about it because I couldn't remember if he mentioned it in the video or not. But he got this thing from uh, LED Retro, which is a shop on Etsy. They do all kinds of uh, of custom LED signs, and this thing was pretty reasonable. He said that it was about 100 bucks, but he said that once it leaves the prototype stage and goes out into production, it might be as cheap as 80. So, uh, you know, that, and this, it's a pretty good size too. I'd say it's about a foot across and uh, about maybe five inches tall. So that would be definitely something that I could hang up on the wall here behind me and complete my look that I'm going for, you know? <laughs> You know the 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 uh, the one you had made was free. You could just stick that back up there. That's it was the not free. One. It was not free. <laughs> I paid money for that. It was not a hundred dollars. I uh, I think that's a good looking sign. Would I pay the big money? No, I would not. I would I would love to have a neon one, but like you said, that's the double big cash for those. Yeah. And then you got to find some sucker that can make them. And that crap don't come cheap, brother. So, right. yeah, these look pretty good. Hey, so Chris, 80 bucks, that's a lot better. Yeah, so Chris holds this thing home, and uh, if you scrub ahead to the old 20-minute and 6-second mark, you can see his lineup of these signs all from the same guy. He's got an Amiga. Uh, now he's got the Chicken Lips Commodore logo. Oh, yeah. And the old Moss technology. You know, I never thought that Moss technology was a thing that people cared enough about to make a neon sign of, but then I forgot. Me either. It was something to do with Commodore. So, of course, eight hundred billion people live and die by moss technology so um is that, that true, is really I yes mean, I, yeah i guarantee you there's somebody that's fighting online about the supremacy of moss technology compared oh. to the competition so oh, no, i will give you right? that one yes i agree with you on that sure, certainly so uh make sure you check out chris edwards latest video all about this amiga checkmark led light that he's got all right, Aaron, we're going to move on, moving on down the line to uh, the, the, the somewhat ill-fated, but then later on, okay-fated Amiga Art Contest 2021. Aaron, did you catch any of this? You know, I, ironically, I tuned in for the live stream, and, and, and I, I was there just in time to watch it fail. So, no, <laughs> I didn't get to see any of it. And he has posted it since I was available to look at it. So how'd it go, Boat? Well, you know, they got, it seems like they got pretty good. You know, this thing ran for three hours. So they certainly got a lot of different uh, entries. They have a 3D category, which I always enjoy. I always enjoy 3D ray traced art on the Amiga. Uh, They've got, they had a mod competition, Uh, the photo category. I know that Amiga Bill submitted a, uh, submitted one of his photos in the photo category. And then finally the hand-drawn category, which, uh, 
got the most uh, entries. They they ran for almost an hour just on the hand-drawn category. Wow. So uh, this, of course, is put on by 10-Minute Amiga Retrocast Doug and Pixel Vixen, Vicky, over in Japan. So uh, you can check that out and uh, enjoy three-plus hours of Amiga competition goodness. Yeah, I definitely could go back and check this out because last year's was awesome. And, I mean, the one thing about pre-taping it, and let me tell you something, by the way, uh, to Doug and Vic here. In Amigo Studios, we don't know the meaning of streaming issues or production <laughs> difficulty. All right? We've never had these problems. But we can understand that when it happens, pre-taping this sucker is the way to go. And just release yeah. it that way. If we had any sense in our head, boat, we'd have been doing this for years. Mm-hmm. But we're too stupid to stop now. So we just keep on trucking. But, yeah, it yeah. looks great. Yeah, yeah. So make sure you check that out. And again, congratulations to uh, Doug and Vicky for putting that on. Uh, that's a huge yeah. amount of work, and uh, and the Amiga community certainly appreciates it. It's a real big deal, too. Let's move on, Aaron, to a new classic or a new Amiga keyboard. Now we talked about last week. Uh, the last news story of last week's show was about a new mechanical keyboard for the A2000. This is a new USB mechanical keyboard for the Amiga. And this thing is being put out there by our friend Simulant. Uh, this is, of course, Simulant, a.k.a. the man behind Amiga Addict magazine. Yeah. Uh, and the newly uh, announced Pixel magazine, which is a multi-platform magazine. So he's got his fingers in a lot of pies. Yeah. Uh, Joan is a good guy, and he is released. He's uh, This thing is up for pre-order right now. It is, it is called the Amiga Classic USB Mechanical Keyboard, PC Keyboard. Uh, this thing, it has the Amiga logo right there on the corner. So he has uh, negotiated the rights with whoever owns that, whatever sort of multinational entity that controls that. So kudos to him for doing that. It looks like that, uh, you know, all of the keys are the, uh, you know, the old mechanical keyboard special where they've been, you know, they're, they're all custom and everything. Uh, Aaron, does this thing do anything for you as far as uh, mechanical keyboards go? I know that you're sort of a keyboard snob these days. Well, you know, I mean, listen, it's a good looking keyboard. I know Simeon knows what he's doing. Yeah. He's a, he's what I would call a genius entrepreneur type mm-hmm. who's got, he, you're right, he's got his fingers in all sorts of pies. This looks good, man. Uh, if you're looking for something like this, uh, I think you're in. Now, uh, uh, I would love, I would love to be able to just hook this right up to like an Amiga 1000, but I'm really getting greedy there. We're begging for that. Come That's on, right. Stimulant. Work us, work us something up, brother. Uh, but yeah, it looks nice. You're right. Negotiating the use of the Amiga logo, no easy feat. Uh, and God only knows what kind of rings he had to jump through to pull that trick. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, I think it looks good. The price, what's I'm looking at here, is it a hundred pounds boat? A hundred pounds. Yeah, that's that's. Uh, I don't know what a what's a is that a good price on a keyboard of this? You know, sort? I don't even know anymore because you, you you talk to people that are into mechanical keyboards and they'll tell you that that's that's cheap. You you shouldn't spend less than five hundred pounds on a keyboard if you want the real stuff. Oh, you got to be so, joking! Five hundred big dogs. Listen, that's a lot of money, bro. Visit, visit the mechanical keyboard subreddit and 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 tell me I'm crazy. You can't force me to go there. It's a zero. <laughs> That's got to be the most boring subreddit. Oh my god! Let's. Look, I'd go to the paint dries subreddit before I'd go to that one. Get that out. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, you know, I to me, a hundred pounds is is definitely a significant investment, uh, considering that uh, you know all of my keyboards are not a hundred pounds. But uh, if you are a diehard fan of the Amiga and you want to support this project and uh, you want to get something that you can hook up to a Mister or to a, to a Pi based Amiga setup, and you want something that's got that, that sort of, uh, you know, um, authentic flavor to it, uh, maybe this is the thing. I know that several of our Discord community members have, uh, have placed pre-orders for this thing, so uh, I hope it does well. You know, we, we wish Jonah all the best, yeah. and, uh, and uh, you know, I think it's a good-looking piece of kit, as they say overseas. Well, one thing we know, I will say this, money aside, uh, we know it'll be quality. I mean, so if you're, you're going to get what you pay for on this thing, well, we could definitely say that. Yeah, yeah. So, Aaron, we move on now to, uh, this is an article from Amiga Love, and it just, it just kind of tickled me when I saw it come across the old Twitter feed. Uh, there was, uh, there were some early Macintosh, um, 
uh, software that was discovered where uh, Macintosh users have tried to replicate some of the iconic uh, scenes from the Amiga on the Mac. So uh, there's a Boing Ball demo that came out sometime during uh, the Mac Plus days. Uh, Mac Plus, I've got a Mac Plus sitting right over there. I should fire this up on there. Oh, yeah. Uh, of course, uh, uh, it, uh, in all of these things, um, you, uh, you're, you're not going to run these on modern Macs. You've got to fire these things up on the old school Macs. Um, it says that uh, there is, uh, it doesn't come with any bounce sound effect, which is interesting. There's no, there's no sound, which is unfortunate. They've also got the, uh, an Amiga kickstart image, the, the famous hand with the yeah. disc. It looks good. Yeah, yeah. So, of course, you know, whenever we talk about the black and white Mac days, we always talk about how great these uh, black and white images look just because the resolution of the screen is so high, that uh, that 512 by 314. So um, that is, uh, you know, it's this... To call this a news story may be somewhat disingenuous, but this was stuff I'd never seen before. And it is kind of interesting how people in the Mac world were aware of the Amiga and they made some attempts to kind of replicate that art. Also, Amiga loves awesome. Yeah. So, you, you can't know, mention his site enough. I'm not the biggest Apple guy, but you what? may have heard. But I will say this old uh, monochrome Mac, you know, Having played a little bit of an ARG, having messed with a little bit your place, I could see the fun that uh, is held within uh, the uh, old Mac. Might be fun to tinker with, Boat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Aaron. And uh, as we near the end here, we're going to move on to this is a, a story that was just posted today in our Discord. I believe the one and only Duncan Styles, uh, producer of This Week in Retro, posted this up. This is uh, based on uh, this is a new thing called Drawbridge, Aaron. And uh, this is a Arduino based Amiga floppy disk reader and writer. And uh, I guess that this is not a new product. This has been out for a while, but version 2.7 has been released. Uh, and it, it gives you uh, HD floppy disk support, improved diagnostics, improved reading and writing, and those ever so important extra features. Very good. You can't so, have enough of those, Bode. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this thing is open source and free by the Cures Robert Smith. He designed it. And uh, it is, uh, it, by all accounts, it's really, it's it's a great, uh, it's a great device for those people. And I, I believe that you and I are not these people, the kind of people that want to load real disks on there. It's not enough to load real disks on your real hardware. They want to load real disks on their emulator, Aaron. Weird. Look at this, look at this classy gentleman vote. Yeah, you know, I've seen him. I've seen him somewhere before. You know, I want to talk about Robert Smith of The Cure for a minute. If I may, he looks rough these days. I'm like, what do you think? What's his? Remember what his hair back in the yeah. glory days? Mm -hmm. It was a, uh, uh, it was chaotic, chaotic yeah. neutral, right? <laughs> so what? What? Because you know, my buddy had hair like him. Really? He put Big eggs head? in it. No, it was my friend Gerlock. Mm. He also would put toothpaste in it, right? Really? And okay. his hair was so brittle, man, that you could walk up to it and grab it like this and go chink and just break it in half. You know? Man, that I reminds me of that reminds that reminds me of the dozers in um in Fraggle Rock. You know how you could just walk up and snap off a piece of their construction and eat it. Did you ever eat his hair? Well, no. Oh. I, although it would be minty fresh mm -hmm. because he used so much toothpaste in it. But I'm thinking that Robert Smith probably used a lot of product. You know what I mean? That's what mm -hmm. the that's what the cool guys call it. Now I don't use that much product, boat. Uh, but I would wonder what his hair looks like these days. Well, I've seen, I've seen, because I am a fan of The Cure, from time to time I watch videos of their more recent performances, and they're still out there. They're yeah. still doing their thing. But Robert is, he's taken on the, uh, he, he sort of has taken on the air of a uh, faded uh, debutante of Beverly Hills, you know, in, in, in his later life, where he looks sort of pale and haggard. He always looked like that. Larger, but it's oh. it, it stopped looking cool at some point. I'm not really sure if it ever really looked that cool. Yeah. But um, when you're when you're sort of when you move towards the husky side, it starts to look a lot less cool. I'll tell you, you know, that. As a husky gentleman myself, the last I can I can appreciate this because the last time I saw him, it looked like he was wearing a, a jet black moo moo. <laughs> You know, that's, am I, is it just, is, did you get that? Yeah, too, you probably got some fashion tips from Billy Corgan somewhere along the way. Yeah. So 
Yeah, there you go. So, but that, yeah, cool floppy drive. I like it. Yeah, yeah. And finally, Aaron, this is a story you're going to tell us all about because I think you listened to this. Episode 267 is a very special episode of Retro Asylum. Why, Aaron? This is the 10-year anniversary uh, for Retro Asylum. Now, uh, uh, you know, uh, they've been around for uh, 10 years. They, they were out. They were there right after... Well, Chain Show had folded, Retro Gaming uh, Radio, and Retro Gaming Roundup had been around for a year or so, and then here comes Retro Asylum. And they were the only guys doing that for quite a while. Uh, and I learned a lot about British computers from that show. Uh, originally, I believe the original hosts were Dean's uh, Swain, Swainy, and Andy. And, of course, they have went through a, uh, a revolving door of staff over there. They've got, they've got the five pillars now. Uh, running strong but uh, i listened to the episode uh, today they had a very nice uh i, I wrote dean a note uh, you know and uh, they were they had a, they gave us a nice little plug on there uh i think i'm the i've got to be the only person on retro asylum that has received a nice plug and then was also buried so i got that i've got the distinct <laughs> i've got the distinct honor but uh hey i will say this if you haven't if nothing else you need to visit their their site yeah, uh, and and check out whoever they get to draw these these uh, these cover images is just fantastic. Do you have any idea who they get to do these things? I'm Aaron? not sure, but they've got they've they're they've always had great like magazine style covers. Yeah, you know? yeah, and uh, they're and I really have a, I've got a lot of respect for. I mean, I think Swainy's great, and of course I like Mads. Uh, I really like Andy back in the day. Uh, I I like the I like the uh, show and uh, congratulations ten years that's a long haul boat yeah it uh, is to, man to go and so and like I said they were carrying the torch uh, for a while uh, on their lonesome uh, and so it's good to, it's good to see uh, they're much heralded and check them out if you've never heard them before I know we've got a lot of crossover with a lot of people in our Discord and stuff so just wanted to give these guys the uh, enthusiastic thumbs up boat absolutely. Now, speaking of enthusiastic thumbs up, Aaron, let's talk about RetroRewind.ca. Now, Aaron, normally in this segment, we talk about all the fine, fine goods you can get over at uh, Frank's shop in Friendly yeah. Canada, whether it's recap kits, whether it's EEPROM burners, uh, Kung Fu flashcards, anything your heart desires for your retro Commodore computer, you can get over at Retro Rewind. But... Uh, we have a very special message from Frank uh, this week, and uh, and basically he said that um, you know uh, they want to give back to the community. Now it seems like all Frank does is give back to the community because when he's not giving stuff away flat out, he's selling stuff so cheap it's like he's giving it away. That's right. But uh, they are going to be running a contest from November twentieth, which. Uh, today is November 19th, so this is uh, tomorrow is when it starts uh, till the end of the day on December 18th. This is going to run a month, and this is a charitable function benefiting a food bank called the Daily Bread Food Bank here in Toronto. Um, and so uh, basically, here are the details. Uh, if you use the promo code TISAMIGOS, you will still get a 10% discount, but uh, Frank and his team are going to be tallying up the monetary value of the total usage of your code. So if I understand this correctly, uh, if you buy something that's 20 bucks from Frank and you use the TIS Amigos code, then it's going to tally up 20 bucks in a ledger somewhere. Okay. The more our listeners use our code, the higher in the point standing will be. Okay. At the end of the contest, the participating show with the highest total monetary amount wins two $50 gift vouchers that uh, that we can give away as we see fit, okay? So um, basically, Frank's going to be donating money. Frank and his team are going to be donating money to the Daily Bread Food Bank. You guys, whenever you buy anything, use the code, you get 10% off, and it's sort of a little competition between all of the shows that Frank sponsors. Whoever, whichever group of listeners uh, purchase the most during this time period, Aaron and I will be giving away two $50 gift vouchers if uh, if our listeners uh, get them, you know, raise the most money through this. Yeah. So, 
Um, we uh, we appreciate, of course, Frank doing this and uh, helping out the hungry over the holidays. And uh, of course, uh, we appreciate all of his support and you, the listener, for uh, you know buying local if you're in North America or buying abroad if you're not, um, and and supporting uh, a business that really and truly cares about the Commodore community. So mm, well said, Bo. Well said. Yeah, this is good, of Frank. Thank you, Frank, for uh, taking care of business up there with the food bank. Those things are vitally important around the holidays. I know this is, I mean, this is obvious, I guess, to most people, but. I mean, every time I turn on the TV, I hear about the local food banks coming up short. It's mm-hmm. tough. It's tough yeah. out there, brother. And yeah. food's expensive. And uh, every cent that we can uh, send out to help out, it's a cent well spent. I love it. It's a cent well spent. You, you couldn't like say it better, man. No, yeah. So we thank uh, Retro Rewind, and uh, we move on now, Aaron, to our game of the week, Treasure Trap. Oh, man, Bo. Treasure Trap, man. Had you, I, I'd never heard of this, did you? Never. Never in a million years that I no, heard of Treasure no, Trap. No, no, I never heard of this bad boy. So Treasure Trap, uh, produced on the Amiga in 1990 on a disc, one disc, uh, published by Electronic Zoo. What a cool name. I like is. it. Uh, I looked over what they'd published in the past, uh, and uh, uh, a couple heavy hitters, including Battle Squadron Boat, which we both like a lot. All-time classic, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then a lot of stuff I'd not heard of, if I'm honest. Uh, the developer was an outfit called Doodlebug, also a good name. And as far as I can tell, this is all they ever did on the Amiga uh, boat was this was this one game. Hmm. Uh, the uh, coder on the game and, and and helped with the graphics as well was Brian Kelly. Uh, graphics were done by Paul uh, McLaughlin, uh, who was behind Populous Two. Uh, both the Populous Twos and the expansion theme park boat, which is one of your favorites, and Phantom Fighter. And the music on this was done by uh, Barry Leitch. Uh, we've seen him before in a bunch of stuff, including uh, and not limited to Hero Quest, Humans, the Human series, Lotus Two, the horrible, horrible Nightbreed, uh, <laughs> Sil- Silkworm, and tons of other stuff. So <laughs> they had, they had a, a a good mu they had good music, and the music in this is is what you get of it's real nice. So yeah, we'll, get we'll talk in about that in a second. But uh, yeah, I'm not surprised that this was the artist behind Theme Park because yeah. I do see some similarities here for sure. Absolutely. Um, this was uh, ECSOCS. Uh, apparently, this game did originate on the Amiga from what I could find out, although it did get ports uh, to the Atari ST and DOS, including uh, even uh, supporting the Tandy graphics set, which I always look for that. Uh, whenever I, whenever we do one of these things, um, so <laughs> how to describe this game, boat? Uh, I guess we should get, let's get into the flavor text a little bit before we describe it. So this game takes place on the ocean, uh, more specifically at a crashed ship. Uh, according to the flavor text, in 1829, the Esmeralda, which was a cargo ship carrying gold, sank to the bottom of the ocean. In 1927, a treasure hunter called Howard Kelp dons a diving suit and searches for the gold bullion in the wreck. That's pretty much the long. That's pretty much all you need to know. That's all you need to know. Uh, Boat, you're better at this than I am. This, can you describe this game to the people? This is an isometric puzzle game. It is an isometric puzzle game. Now, let's talk about the very opening of this game, Boat, which I thought was great. Yeah. I mean, this game makes a great first impression mm-hmm. uh, as it comes up because it shows this sort of a steam-powered paddle boat uh, going across the water uh, to the tune of Row Your Boat and yeah. with a diver hanging, like, sitting on the back of it. It's got all the stuff you would expect on the Amiga, the cool background, like haze, the, the water, mm-hmm. you know, the boat looks awesome. It's very well animated as it drops the little geek in the water. I like the fact that it raises him to the optimum height and dumps him <laughs> in the water, which I, I got a big hearty hoe out of that. And then uh, you get this really neat, 
uh, row your boat kind of uh, uh, super medley or whatever. Right. Well, it starts out, you know, with the, with your traditional row, row, row your boat, which sounds nice, right. you know, but it's very simple. And then all of a sudden it goes totally 90s and the oh. Amiga starts beatbox. Boom, 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 boom. And, and, it, and it, it made me smile. I did enjoy it. Uh, I enjoyed it for the brief time that I listened to it because guess what? Like every Amiga game, they decided, hey, you like this music? Good. You're never going to get it again once yeah. you start the game. You know, now, we should also talk about the diver's animation on the title screen. Yeah. Okay. It's very, very fluid. I mean, it looks really good. But who swims like that? Who? <laughs> well, if what's you're he doing a diver there with his hands? and this is how you swim, you're going to die. <laughs> yeah, that's no good. You know, <laughs> I was sure that you would condemn that opening theme for leaping headlong into Euro uh, tr trash music, as mm -hmm. you say. And I will say, I, I, one thing I noticed is there was a sample in this that was also used in Blood Money. Yeah, so, I mean, if you yeah. If you're in, Money, if you're in, if you're into the Euro Dance Trash, play Treasure Trap and just let it play. Just and I believe play. the sound is ah yeah. <laughs> That's the sound that you hear. Ah yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, the opening's well done, and and it is disappointing that it, it goes that the sound goes bye bye uh, directly after the opening because that was mm -hmm. cool. Now. Only the Amiga makes that possible, by the way. Well, listen, both. I looked at these other versions. None of them had cool music during the game. So, when you start the game up, one of the th one of the options the game gives you is to uh, designate the keyboard to make it uh, what you want. I would mm -hmm. recommend doing this, if for any reason, to see what the keys are. <laughs> because uh, I had to, uh, even after doing that, and then going to the docks, I still was my very first thing I had trouble with was figuring out how to pick stuff up. And you pick stuff up in a very stupid way. But With the D it, key. Well, not just that. It's the fact that you can't just walk up to it and pick it up. You have to jump. Well, okay. On. Let's 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 take even a step back further than that and let's address the elephant in the room. Oh, okay. Which this is a game that came out in nineteen eighty nine that does not have joystick control. This is well, a keyboard only control well, now, game. I okay, look, we should go down this road here. I went to play this on my mister and it wouldn't work. All right. I couldn't, my version would not work. So I went to play it on my uh, a copy of Amiga Forever, and it worked, and it had full joystick support. Now, mm. uh, I had joystick or keyboard support. All right, so uh, your mileage may vary. I was not able to, and I was running this off WHD on the yeah. old uh, FSUAE. And try as I might, there was an option to disable joystick control. It said disable joypad control in the, that, yeah. in the menu. Yeah. I clicked that on. I clicked it off. I restarted the game five or six times. I could not get joystick controls well, to work. So I'm willing, I'm willing to admit that it was maybe it was something I was doing wrong, but I controlled this game 100% with the keyboard. Now, I will say, because I, I, since I, I tried both, all right, and I can tell you that joystick control wasn't the best uh in fact i do we want to just get into it right now yeah let's get into it man i hated the controls in this game <laughs> okay so here i've got i've got my game okay before right before, before we get into it actually let's talk about what you do in this game okay go ahead we'll get to okay. the hating on it here in a minute so this game is a is is a it's basically a 16-bit version of a game like Batman or a game like Head Over Heels yeah. or a game like Night Lore. One of these ultimate play the game games that was made so famous on the, the, the ZX Spectrum back in the 80s. And of course, this game is also an 80s game. This game is an 89. So in this game, you manipulate your diver around a 3D isometric environment, collecting gold and collecting oxygen tanks and collecting keys. Uh, in your way, you have enemies that move about the board in set patterns. Your job as a diver is to either ignore or uh, avoid the enemies, or you actually have to manipulate their paths by, and get ready for this, dropping the keys in the floor. When you drop the key in the floor, it changes the path of the enemy because for some reason the enemy will not run over a key on the floor. It will bump into it and it will alter its path. Hmm. I never so, really tried that. In each in each one of these in each one of these levels, your job is to collect the gold, uh, and avoid the enemies, and uh, get out. Basically, um, if you look at the way that the board is laid out, it reminds me a lot of Populous, 
where you have the main action going on in like sort of the the a square in the middle of the board and then off to the sides you have your um your your hud for lack of a better word uh i think that this game's hud is very well done uh, oh, yeah. because it's not just a you know a black bar at the bottom of the screen uh on the left side of the screen you have your inventory which consists of up to four keys you have the amount of gold that you have collected. You have the amount of smart bombs in your inventory. Smart bombs are fish in this game. They're known as friendly fish. And when you unleash when you unleash a friendly fish, uh, it's it's quite humorous actually. The fish will swim through the room and slowly destroy all of the enemies in the room and it will make this crazy sound as it does it and there'll be this very looney tunes-esque sort of whirlwind of destruction and then the fish comes out of it and he's kind of smiling and then he moves on to the next enemy that part of the game yeah like a tasmanian devil absolutely that part of the game uh tickled me i like that um so and then on the right side of the of the hud you have a what room you're in I'm sorry, you have, I'm sorry, not what room you're in. You have the, your total um, remaining lives. You have your air supply. And then, for some unknown reason, you have a little snow globe with a miniature you just walking around. Well, he, why he, is that there? I'll tell you why. Oh, you okay, go ahead. Because they thought it would look cool. I don't know. Is there a reason why that's there? Well, I mean, I th- he changes depending on how much air you need, too, I think. Why? There's an air meter right next to him. Well, listen, it also looks cool. All yeah. Right? Okay. It, that's good. That is the reason why it's there because they thought, hey, we need something to fill up the space. We can put a little animated you down there. And it's like you and miniature, and people will like to look at that as they're trying to figure out these puzzles. It is cute, though. It is. You know, uh, and the, uh, uh, the fish, the animation, hilarious. I agree with that. I will say, yeah. It's funny when you look at this game, like I looked at a still photo before I played it and I saw all the crap and I was like, holy smokes, this looks complicated. It's mm-hmm. not that complicated. It, it, it's it's not that complicated at all. It just looks like it crazy complicated. Um, so the, the, the isometric angle gimmick, okay? We see this all the time on the Specky, as you mentioned. Uh, how did you think this played on here? It plays as well as any isometric game has played. I feel like if you knew what you were getting into with Treasure Trap, this wouldn't have been your first rodeo with the old isometric game. Uh, I really feel like this was not the type of game that really got over in the States. Uh, I don't know anybody that that played a lot of these types of games. I certainly didn't play any of these games growing up. But these were the bread and butter of, it seems like, everybody in the U.K., uh, you know, because you had ultimate play of the game right there, cranking these things out, not to mention all the other, you know, wannabe ultimate play of the game companies. Um, and so for people that were moving into the 16-bit era, uh, this is 1989. This is relatively early in the Amiga's life. Uh, this is a perfect game to say, hey, remember, you know, remember Night Lore? Here's a 16-bit version that looks fantastic, that has bright yeah. colors, that has great looking enemies, that poses a good challenge. Um, to me, I don't understand why there's not more of these games. I believe that this is the first 3D isometric puzzle game that we've played on the Amiga since we started Amigas. Correct me if I'm wrong. Well, I know there are I know there are ports of like Spectre that, that that got ported over. I don't know if we played them. I mean, I don't think I've played someone's stream. Uh, it's and by the way, what you said is I was sitting here trying to think of stuff in America that was like this that had the isometric view that got over, and it wasn't much. I mean, you know, Populous is pretty popular over here. Yeah, but know. it's not that. It's not. I, I'm not talking about games from an isometric viewpoint. I'm talking about these isometric puzzle games oh, where yeah, you're no, negotiating very, enemies and stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree. Not a little to none. Uh, and uh, listen, I, I guess I'm an American. I'm going to be the the jerk American here because because the this game is is based around the isometric play style, and I I don't like it. I didn't like it in this. You have to you have to come to grips with the fact that distances and height are difficult to impossible to judge without yeah. a monumental effect a monumental effort of just trial and error. You just have to know that that's the case. Yeah. Um. 
And if you're not willing to invest the time to die many times to figure out exactly where these distances are and these heights are, you're going to be in for a rough time. You also have to come to terms with the controls. The controls remind me of the same problem that people have trying to control Qbert yeah. on a MAME cabinet or on a, on a home device where yeah. the joystick isn't rotated 45 degrees. You have to play it like this. You have to, as Gary said, you have to sort of turn it diagonal to play it, you know, which I say they have to do with Qbert. You know, and that's a that's a hassle, if I'm honest. Uh, the also, the game doesn't play fair with its viewpoint. All right, I've found a couple places. <coughs> excuse me, I've found a couple places where you could try to judge an enemy that's bouncing, you know, up and down. Mm-hmm. And despite the fact that you weren't in the same line of squares as the enemy, it would still hit you anytime you came in contact with it. Despite the fact. It was deeper on the grid than you were. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. I saw this over. That definitely and over. happens. Yeah. And that's not fair. I mean, if you're going to do this, you got to play fair. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, you know, part of this game is the puzzle element. And you just have to accept the fact that, like, okay, if I stand here, I'm going to die. I can't beat this level if I stand here because I'm going to die. So there has to be another way around this. Right. Because the game is beatable. You know, yeah. I watched a full playthrough of this game and you can see how the game is beatable. One of the things that you constantly have to do also is you have to figure out like which objects your the enemies themselves can manipulate because the enemies can also push bricks and boxes and other objects in the room, which you need to do so you can actually get to things. For example, in, in one screen, you actually have to make the enemies push the gold into a place where you can get to it. Yeah. So there's a lot in the mind and the the puzzles get difficult real, real quick, only about three or four rooms in. And I got to the point where I was like, listen, I just don't know how to do this. And I had to go to a walkthrough because it was just it was beyond my abilities. Um, Now, that said, again, if you're the type of gamer that, you know, grew up on these games, if you started out playing these games, 84, 85, 86, and you got an Amiga, this would have been like manna from heaven for you, because this is exactly what you want. You want a game that will give you this sort of challenge, but looks pretty, has nice enemies, has nice colors, and has reasonably fast action for the genre. And this game delivers all of that. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's one of those games. It's a unique game in the fact that it's a, it's a puzzle you know, action puzzle game, but it's 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 not one you have to be super. It's not real twitchy. It's not it's not real. There's no real time limit except for the air supply. Aside from that, uh, there you've got you could go through this thing. You could go anywhere you want. I mean, that you could get to. I like the fact that you could get the map up uh, and you can look at the overview of the where you're on the ship, where you've been. I thought that was really cool. The and map view big. is really cool. You can't yeah. see the map view ever all the time. Yeah. When the when the letter M is flashing up in the upper left corner of the screen, you can you can see it. And that is one of the more graphically impressive sections of the game. To see it cut out like that. I've always been a big fan of the old exploded diagram and cut out, you know, diagrams of ships and things like that. So I thought that was awesome. And when you get to the end of the game, one of your rewards is that after you beat the game and you get the somewhat lame uh, ending screen, it says, do you want to see the map one more time? And you can say yes, and then you can see the entire, because it's a fog of war effect where you can only see, you know, portions of the ship will be blocked out until you complete those rooms or until you get to those rooms. So you can see all of the rooms laid out. It does give you a sense of accomplishment. Why do you figure they made it where you can only look at the map on a, on the, at the beginning of the level? I wonder why they did it that way. My guess is that it, maybe it has to do with memory caching or something like that. Like maybe when you started moving around in a room, maybe there wasn't, you know, the, the accessing that part of the disc would have been too difficult. <laughs> I, I honestly have. That's an excellent question. And I yeah. have no idea. Just you never know. I will yeah. say uh, every 50 gold bars that you basically it stops. It gives you a save point. It lets you enter your name on the high score thing, uh, which is that's that's an interesting way to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I managed to do. I got uh, I'm trying to get. I, I got over. I know I did that at least twice, so I had a pretty good run. I thought, you know, on my best go, mm-hmm. I, I, a save state makes it easier. I will say that was one of the advantages of playing on Amiga Forever. I could just say wherever I wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, the game to me, all right. It's a very well done, well crafted game. I mean, it's it's beautiful. It, it's got a lot of extra touches that you don't usually get with games. I think I, I like the creatures look cool. There's a lot of variety. I think the puzzles are pretty interesting. 
like you said, some are really hard, some are, aren't super hard. Uh, and it, whenever you go out of the room and come back, it'll reset oh, the room. That's actually, nice. l- let me tell you, there there are a few places in this game where you can't. Here's the one thing that I would change because I agree with everything that you just said. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing I would change is that they need to give you a button on the keyboard that just automatically kills you and lets you restart the room. Because there are several rooms where you have falling blocks where you have to run over them in a certain order and there's no way to reset those. Yeah. And yeah, if you don't do that, you either have to A, restart from your last save, which you might not have saved every room you can, or use save states in our case. Uh, It would have been so much easier if they would have done what so many puzzle games do. And that just says if you press X, you'll just lose a life and then you can restart the room from the beginning. I don't remember getting anywhere that I couldn't find some way to get out but I'm, I'm, i have no doubt that what you're saying is 100 true it i mean the game it's funny because I, I was reading some reviews on this and a lot of people talked about how this game was too easy it's another one of those boat yeah uh, where everyone else thinks it's easy but us but i mean is it the hardest thing i've ever played i would put it in terms of difficulty uh i'd put it on par with like uh lost vikings or something you know i mean it's i, I don't I don't necessarily think it's as good a game as that, because I think that was easier. Well, to it's control. a totally different game. It is, but I'm talking about just terms of difficulty. And I hate Lost Vikings, some, by the way. Well, you so. could get somewhere in it. It's my point. Like I, yeah. I managed to figure some of this crap out. You know, I think I, you know, if whatever. you're going to p- compare it to a game that's in the same genre, I would say it's on level with Head Over Heels. I, I had all kinds of trouble with Head Over Heels. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. I had, I had more success. This is also cute. Uh, now. Your guy's slower than Christmas. Did we mention that? So when you no. run, you're underwater and your guy moves incredibly slow, you know. By the way, why can't this sucker float, you know, to get up to stuff? That's <laughs> but I guess well, that, I mean, people, you know, it, 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 if he if he was floating, then he wouldn't. You know, you can't really. Uh, I think that it would have destroyed the game if you if you could adjust your ballast. It would have made it too difficult to. Yeah, code. so you have to suspend your disbelief on that. I guess. Yeah. Still. But yeah. I mean, well, you also have to wonder why the the person that was here to distribute the oxygen tanks didn't just take the gold when he was down here. Yeah. You have to wonder about that. We as haven't well. talked much about the auction. I'm guessing. Did you do what I did after my third or so attempt to just turn and put it on infinite oxygen? Oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Because oxygen. Uh, well, I didn't. I didn't. To be honest with you, I died faster than my oxygen ran out most of the time because the the oxygen tanks are spread about pretty liberally. Yeah, the oxygen though, a lot of times you have to backtrack. Because yeah. you you if it you just get takes the oxygen forever. when you've got too much, your guy will basically inflate, and then mm-hmm. which uh, is it's nice. He, you kind of feel him like exhale and be like, oh yeah, it's the good stuff. That's that's the way I feel after like the uh, Thanksgiving dinner this week. I'll be right. kind of look on my face. <laughs> but I mean, the the thing is, what if you do that? When you see him do that, that's bad because that means you've over oxygen. You've used you basically wasted oxygen, and so for a little while he's slower. Uh, than he would have been. So you don't want to use the oxygen until you need it, which means you need to go back and get it. That's yeah. the plan anyway. They put that in there for a little added extra gameplay out of wager. Uh, but that that's the thing that will necessitate you running back and forth to these levels. Uh, I, I turned it off because I'm lazy, but that was part. that is part of the gameplay, uh, which I, I'm okay with it, but it's not my favorite. I'd really, I like to just look around with no time limit vote. You know, so that's just me. But I mean, that's part of it. Did you have a problem with that? Not really. Like I said, I, I I died much more often from enemy enemy attack than I did. Oh, one thing we didn't we didn't mention was when you collect the gold. The gold doesn't just go into a meter, you know, a, a gauge yeah. or something like that. It does count up, but it also is instantaneously melted before your very eyes yeah. and leaks out of a pipe. Weird. <laughs> that is goofy. I never liked that. If I'm yeah. honest, <laughs> I thought that was I thought that was strange. It's a weird. It is a little strange. Done it yeah. that way, but that's. And I, I again, the, it's just one of those things. Manual. Hey, we can put this animation in there, so let's do it. Yeah, I suppose so. Um, I looked up the reaction of this game uh, to see how how favorably it was looked upon because this is what I really wasn't sure. If I'm to be honest with you, the people over at Lemon Boat give this a seven point four six. Not bad. Um, not bad. The uh, Luminary magazines of the time. Uh, the Amiga Computing gave it an 84. Amiga Format gave it a 68. They didn't like it. Amiga Joker gave it an 83. Uh, CU Amiga gave it an 81. And The One gave it an 88. The average mag score back in the day, 81% uh, boatster. 
Uh, mm. This game was named by Amiga Power uh, as one as uh, number eighty nine in the all time top one hundred Amiga games. What do you think about that? No, I say no. <laughs> well, <there laughs> but you, you know, I'm not a fan of the genre. I can understand, like you said, it's it's a well crafted game. Yeah. Did, did we get any Discord action on this one? We did. We got one review this week from Pajaco sixty five zero two. He says, with its roots in classic 8-bit isometric games, Treasure Trap carries the lineage well. The puzzle elements that require placing pickups to redirect on-screen creatures is really neat. The smart fish is awesome. More smart fish, less pushing blocks, please. Using a manta ray as a moving platform is odd, as every other creature kills you. Yeah, it took a while for me to figure that out, by the way. Pajaku likes to capitalize words and sentences, which are different. And so I'm I'm trying my best to read this thing. I didn't even think to jump on the manta ray at first. Different control schemes would have been nice as I found the default joypad was set up a little awkward. Collecting air canisters didn't add anything other than some backtracking. And the game would still be just as good without them. As with isometric games, chunks of the action are hidden from view at times. And you can get stuck on things behind them, leading to unfair deaths and clunky gameplay. Yes. But a really good effort for an Amiga isometric game and one I need to spend a little more time with, 7 out of 10. I agree with everything that he said. I would give this a solid 7 out of 10. You know, I, I, just for fun, I looked this up uh, on the DOS version. Uh, mm-hmm. mode, so we can have a look here at the two of them together. And I'll tell you one thing I noticed watching the DOS version. Of course, the music's not as good and the stuff right. that you would expect. Uh, but... Uh, I noticed that you didn't have to jump on stuff to pick it up in the DOS version, which I that was uh, irritated me in the Amiga version quite a bit. So that yeah. right there, I call a win. But otherwise, they're pretty comparable. Uh, if I'm if I'm honest, they look pretty pretty similar. And I think this is I'm, I'm assuming what we're looking at here. This is your VGA version. I looked mm-hmm. for a Tandy version, by the way. I couldn't find it. So I think I see a, a lucrative. YouTube career in the future of going back and playing all the Tandy 16 color games, uh, boat and then recording because you get the Tandy sound. Uh, yeah, but anyway, man. they look. I mean, could you pick one from the other if you looked at these things? No, I really couldn't. Yeah, I really so couldn't. they look. They look very similar. Um, so I looked this up on the eBay boat. This was a surprise to me, uh, man. So I found a bunch of these for sale in the U.S. of A. Really? Yeah. Huh. Um eBay had uh, a three of these for sale, uh, one going for 45 bucks uh, and a couple of the 30s. They were all complete in box, and the disc uh, only you could get for eight bucks or best offer. So you could actually get these in the U.S. Of course, uh, they were all over the map in the in the U.K. and Europe uh, in the usual fare. You know, everything from uh, uh, 12 U.S. bucks all the way up to like around 40 or 50 U.S. dollars. So... It's all over the map, but they're out there. So I'm assuming this game must have sold reasonably well. I will say, Boat, in closing, I, I'm surprised a game of this quality or attention to detail fell under our radar for so long. Because I've never had anybody recommend this to me. I've never had anybody mention it to me. I've never seen it. I've never seen anybody playing it. You know, I'm surprised. Yeah, it is. It is odd, and I, I, I think uh, the, the the chat has been talking about the possibility that you know at this point in time maybe this game, this style of game, had fallen out of favor because even though it is a prettier version of an eight bit game concept, it is still at its at its core an eight bit gaming concept, and people were ready to move on to the sixteen bit, uh, you know, computers with you know new forms of play. Maybe that had something to do with it. I will say the number of people in the chat saying they never heard of it makes me feel a little bit better because Alex said I'd never heard of it either. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Aaron. Well, we shall leave treasure trap now and go on to our community updates. What's been going on over on the YouTube channel, Aaron? Oh, boat. Uh, we had an interesting week uh, of, of releases uh, this time around. Uh, let's start off with myself and the Brent last week. We had a, another smooth production uh, show, uh, a show that w- went out without any difficulty, Boat, as we went into <laughs> games. Actually, we had tons of problems on this episode, technical difficulties. Games based on British cartoons, Boat. Uh, Banana Man, Danger Mouse, well, we Postman looked at, Pat. We, we, this was Bizarro Week, so we had to pick each other's games. Okay. For, for the Brent, I picked Mr. Bean on the DS, and the animated version. And he picked a game for me called Bangers and Mash. 
And so we went into, like, I'll be honest with you, I didn't know what bangers and mash was. I knew it was food. And so mm-hmm. I got to, not only did I get to review the game and the show, but I also got to talk about the food, which is fun. Did you crack, crack, crack the egg into the bowl? Did you I, have I some some mashed potatoes and sausage when you were I, eating? I, I did not. Or, I mean, when you were podcasting? No. And I've, ne- oh, I've never had that before either, so that might be interesting. And then we also, uh, uh, Brent played the Mr. Bean game, which also has food in it. But this game, uh, well, it's not that good, a boat, if I'm honest. So <laughs> there, there, there you go. Uh, not a great game, so that one didn't go over too well. But anyway, we had a lot of fun on that show, despite the hideous, hideous difficulties we had uh, on that. Um, next on the docket, uh, Boaster, is we had a look at school days. Tell the folks about school, school days. days, Boat. So school days, of course, most famous on the uh, C64, the ZX Spectrum. Um, my favorite version, of course, being the ZX Spectrum version, a, uh, a classic title of uh, of hooligan shenanigans in the schools. Uh, if you went to a British public school, actually, you know, here's something crazy, Aaron. You want to hear something crazy? Yeah, I do. Public schools are private schools in England. Okay. Really? Okay. So whenever you, somebody says they went to a public school, that's their way of saying that they went to a really good private school. And they're, they're oh, kind of okay. Good lord, Weird. that's that's hard to follow. So it, yeah, it is hard to follow. I don't completely understand it myself. But uh, school days, if you want to see what it was like to uh, to go to school and get caned and uh, get lines assigned to you and be followed around by a man named Mister Wacker. And have a history teacher that's literally uh, hundreds and hundreds of years old. School Days is the game for you. Uh, this is a totally unique title, and it's just come to the Atari 8-bit computers uh, in 2017. So a relatively recent release that we were tasked to talk about. And uh, I've always liked this game since we first played it on the Specky. And uh, you know, it's 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 to me, it's it doesn't look nearly as good as it does on the ZX Spectrum because the color palette is it's taken directly from the c64 so it's sort of vomit inducing but apart from that uh it's a, it's, a, it's a great port they did a good job and also this is the kind of game we've talked about this twice now where the the people that made this game sort of got screwed uh but and, and also how they were unique geniuses that came up with the whole concept of this game and the, their unique backgrounds contributed to making it and the fact mm-hmm. that this got ported it's a beauty i mean they did, i think they did a good job and I'm glad that our uh, friends on the Atari can have a go at this one, Boaster. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, check that out. So, you know, October is over, Boat. No, So, Conversations from the Dark Side got shelved until next year. But, you know what that means? It's time for some more Friday night disaster stream action with me, Amigo Aaron. Last week was truly a disaster, Boat. As we got into the Turbo Graphics slash PC Engine CD boat, I don't know good. much about this console. Mm. Well, now no one does. No one uh, that at least watching the show did. No one is right now because it's not going to load up. Uh, but uh, we played just s- selections from the Turbo Graphics CD. All right, just ra- I picked okay. out some selections and. I see uh, Pang there. I like bang, a good Pang. Yeah, yeah, we played a lot of different stuff. But the the surefire winner of the night was the uh, PC Engine slash Graphic CD version of It Came from the Desert. Holy moly, mm. this is the game that killed CinemaWare. <laughs> and let me tell you something. When they died, they just someone should have pumped a few extra bullets in them. Because this was an unmitigated, <laughs> freaky disaster. This was such a popular choice. That sometime in December, I'm going to run a stream featuring the original K- It Came From The Desert, It Came From The Desert 2, and then I'm going to finish up with the CD version. And if I have time, Boat, I'm going to play a little I'm Your uh, uh, I'm your Man uh, from uh, the uh, LaserDisc episode of ARG Presents, uh, because that's also cheesy-rific. So, but we had when, is the, when, is the, uh, when is the Barbie stream coming? Well, it's funny. I've been pondering the Barbie stream, and I think that will be coming relatively soon. Probably I can't also, wait for that. That could also come in December. So, anyway, if, you, if you're interested in TurboGrowth CD or just want to hang out and have some fun, check us out. It was a good time. Um, last on the docket here, Boat, I caught some of this. This is right up my old alley, if I may say. Our good friend, the Flaxter, got busy, and he played a bunch of games with monsters in them, man. Uh, mm. including two different versions 
of Rampage on the C64, uh, among other things. Uh, a game called, I like this called Mail Order Monsters. Uh, a lot of these games I'd heard of but never seen, including Mail Order Monsters. So I really enjoyed watching this. Uh, and these are, I like these. And the Rampages, the fact that the C64 got two of them, and they were quite different, actually. That was kind of fun, too. I had a real good time. Did you get to check this one out yet? I have not seen this one yet, but I plan on watching it because, you know, Mail Order Monsters is one of those episodes of Sprite Castle that I listened to several times because yeah. when Flack was on his hiatus, I actually just went back and started listening to from from, from episode one again. Uh, and I have this picture of what this game looks like in my mind, but I've never actually seen it before. So I will be checking this out. Yeah, it looks good. It, this, was a, this was a real fun, fun stream from the Flackster uh, boat. Uh, and uh, I think that is all we've got on the YouTube front boat. All right. Well, Aaron, let's go ahead and talk about the fine, fine folks that make this show happen. I'm talking about our Patreon supporters, Aaron. Um, last week, we had a uh, a double, double trouble uh, 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 thing that I did. A medley, if you will. Oh, um, yeah. This was uh, two of Paul McCartney's finest hits, Maybe I'm Amazed and Uncle Albert. Did anyone no? get those? No. No. Is that what you did? No. Yeah. I could never yeah. have guessed that. I mean, it, was, it wasn't apparent. I did all the guitar solos and every. I did the flugelhorn solo. You want me to do the flugelhorn solo again? No. No, I don't. Okay. <laughs> so um aaron it's time it's time for another patreon song uh-huh we're going live again uh -huh. this week we'll have we'll have a a june bugs release next week i'm very are you confident. coming up with a song right now maybe you are aren't you the last time this happened it was an absolute debacle i knew when you stalled this long that you were you were getting something together let's hear what you got we like what we like, Mr. Chapita Price, Herman V. Wander Leachison, Mark Richardson, David Hearn, Chris Edwards, Ram OK, Ram OK, David Terrace, Jude Carlos, Matthew Mobius, The Phantom Magnus, Seth Yates, Alistair Fiend, Christian Russell, David C. George Rosansky, The Amiga Show, Daniel Crabtree, Super Famicom, Crazy Loomis, William Venterscar, Heavy Systems, Bundy Frag Lord, Mark Byland, Olaf Ho, Hermsky Alien Breeder, Dave Velociraptor, Calvin Boy, Lane Benson, Daniel Williams, Luke Hudson, John Cook, Bomb the Bass, Frodo NL, Soul Incisor, Tech Mage, Jurgen, Mr. Cola, Bernard Lucas, Jerry Dennington, eh, eh, eh. Zorga Reflection, Simon Lushcap and Crispy Killer Bison Caffeine, Gary Heather Free Lunch, Kate Fox, David Pickford, Cameron Armstrong, Andy Jones, Lobsterminator, 10 Minute Amiga Retrocast, Bernard Quinn, RMC, Tim Drew, Joseph Harrison, Kyle Adder, Rob O'Hara, Matthew Laramore, Andy Craig, Sean Park, Bitch, Roland Burke, Andrew Ooh -Ooh Monks, Joe the Zombie, Lika Elan, Alan Kebab, Checko Taylor, Lord John Marshall, Matthew Perron, Ricky DeRo. Oh, sure. Creepy Dead Boy Figgy CTZ. The Slow Norris Stefan Sorgar Mortensen. Evan Helen Christopher Hassel. Ravi Abbott Crystals. Lauren Giroux Graham Bebke Adam Battersby. O'Brien's and Retro Vintage. Gary, 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 Gary Hucker. Paul Harrington. 
Duncan Styles tapes from the crypt. Josh Nan Adams at his be Jonas Rulo. THT Eric Nelson. Kim Tommy Holmes said Daniel Bigson Brutal Barracuda. Darren Coles Jason Warns. Beatles at dawn. And Kjolbjorn Barman. That was repulsive. John, the, the internet worked then. That's the one time it worked, and we all had to suffer through that. Holy smokes! John at amigospodcast.com. If you know the answer, I will announce you as the winner Send on hate next mail week's there. Patreon song challenge. Holy God. All right, Aaron, and we can't go any further without also thanking our fine, fine, fine Twitch subscribers. As you know, we uh, record the show live. Every Friday around 5 o'clock Eastern Time here in the U.S. of A. Uh, you can watch us on Twitch. And if you'd like to support us on there, of course, you're welcome to do so. We'd like to thank our Twitch subs, Brent31909, Lumen808, Captain Chaos DK, Real Retro Dude, Data Ombre, Frodo NL, Still Adolescing, Uber Scuba Diver, Wing Chun Wolf, Gary Heather, Trackshot Live, Buck Owens, Da Crabs, MTG, Explorer. Retro Jerry, Scumboy, Anthony Jarvis, Ride World of Retro, Mitsuyama, Beach Bum 7, John Marshall 3. By the way, Beach Bum 7, not a bot. He's been popping Texas up Foosballer. everywhere. Yeah, he's everywhere. He's everywhere you want to be. Yeah. Pixel Rageous, Texas Foosballer, Blue Train, Negsol, Chronosnet, Blow Jellyfish, Orom, Am I Steph, and Eeyore 4077. Thank you guys so much for subscribing to us on Yeah, thanks Twitch. everybody. And by the way, uh, congratulations on Duck Crabs for his new home. That's right. He's got an awesome house. I can't wait to go out there and visit him. Mm. All right, Aaron. The time has come to talk about what we're going to do next week. So next week, I'm not going to be here. It's my anniversary. Eep and I are celebrating 10 years of wedded bliss. Take her out. At least from my end, it's wedded bliss. Yeah, Yeah, no kidding, eh? (laughs) Give her whatever she wants, Boat. That's right. That's that's the game plan. So uh, Aaron and the Brent are going to be taking the reins. Uh, And it's also, there's a little something going on next Friday night, isn't there, Aaron? Yeah, we should mention this. Uh, Coming up a week from today, it'll start at 10 a.m., Eastern Standard Time boat. It is the Thanks for Giving Marathon with myself and the Brent. It will be a uh, long, long, incredibly long event where we sit around playing games. We're going to spin the wheel boat. We're going to make the deal. We're getting back together in the arcade boat. Oh, yeah. And Just like old times. At uh, at, at uh, 5 o'clock, after we've done seven hours, we're going to finish up by doing an Amigo show. What are we going to be playing, boat? We're going to be playing, and by we, I mean you guys, are going to be playing the final category in our edutainment. You know, we ran an edutainment for a year this year oh, just to get that. a little little taste. Yeah. Design a Saurus. Design a Saurus, Aaron. Oh, God, no. You know, Brent revels <laughs> in edutainment. He'll I know. love this. He'll love I'm so it. happy I'm missing this week because I can't wait to hear what Brent has to say about oh, it. Oh, Lord. Okay, we'll do our best. <laughs> All right, and that's going to do it for this week on Amigos. We thank you for listening. We hope you will join us next time. And until then, adios. adios.